0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Open Mic Comedy Podcast. This podcast is designed for people on the open mic circuit, whether you're a comedian, an MC, a promoter, a tutor, anybody who has any involvement in this industry. And welcome to episode one, whose first guest is somebody that has he's beaten the frog, he survived the Ding Dong Gong show, he was runner up in the West End old new act of the year for last year or 2023. And he runs his own comedy night called O.M. Connolly. Has his own YouTube channel, which you should subscribe to because I do. And he's currently hard, working hard and becoming a medium-sized football fan. And he's good at shaving. So I'd like to say welcome to Chris Alley. Oh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me. So
1: I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you said... Um... Good evening, everyone. You know, it's a podcast. People could listen in the morning. <laughs> That's
0: a good start. <laughs> uh, no, I just want to go through sort of like um, how this show's going to work for all the new listeners that we may or may not have. Um We're just going to have a, a free-for-all chat about what it's like being an open mic comedian or a promoter or MC or all of those things and just see where, where the conversation takes us and whatever we want to say. So I'm going to first off by saying, welcome, Chris. And how long have you been involved in this mad cat world we're living in?
1: Um so I started in March uh well my first gig was March twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. So I've just been doing it for about a year and nine months. Yeah, just over that. So how many gigs have
0: you done total then?
1: Um I've done about a hundred and eighty nine, maybe a hundred and ninety, or coming up close to that. Yeah? What,
0: yeah, what, yeah, yeah, what kind of it. What kind of Bought you into it why why did you choose
1: to do this well um i 've got a twin brother Matthew alley who also does stand up and is um you know he he signed up to a comedy course in uh, christmas twenty twenty one and um I quite like playing poker, so um <laughs> generally, I play poker in around christmas time because there 's a gap i 've got you know i, I don 't know for some reason it just seems to fit with with what i 'm doing um and i'd won about seventeen hundred pounds in a uh, nice. three days. So he'd sign up to a comedy course, and the course was uh, the comedy school. It cost about, it was, uh, yeah, almost £300. Um, Thought about it for a minute and decided to sign up. We did the six-weeks course, did the showcase, um, and had about two weeks off, and then kind of just started gigging from there.
0: Yeah. And it all started from a game of poker and some winnings. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. (laughs) I mean, I guess, like, since I've been
1: doing it, I guess realistically it's kind of like a lifelong dream you know I've been thinking about this since I was a kid and I think like during my 20s and stuff I thought about doing open mics and stuff like that I used to go to downstairs at the King's Head who do their sort of famous Thursday night open mic yeah and um you know I I just never liked to do it because it was always quite bad (laughs) I just could never (laughs) I could never bring myself to do it because I was like my goodness it's so horrible but um you know you'd be lucky if you see one person that was any good uh, which is quite different than now because I think this, the calibres off of the charts. But um yeah, I guess I've I've been thinking about this since I was a kid.
0: Yeah, the the King's Head was an interesting because that's one of the uh that was one of the very first ones I actually ended up booking in. Oh yeah. When I when I done my I've I think a lot of the people I end up speaking to had a very similar journey in terms of um doing the course, working it out and then just going from there. And then it, it becomes the hassle of trying to work out how you geek from there, I guess. And uh, I find that is kind of one of the biggest challenges. But, yeah, I mean, seeing – I'll agree with you. The king—the King's head seems to be extremely high caliber these days. Even I mean, just I, the open mic circuit in general. Yeah. But, I mean, you must find that from um, sort of like the, the promotion side and the um, – what um, made you want to do that?
1: Well, so I started it about four months ago. Um, I guess – the reason I did it was because um, I feel like I'm well within the community now because if anyone's thinking about doing it um, and actually start gigging quite regularly, you'll realize it's a community in and of itself, just like anything, you know, you get to see a lot of the same people, um, people you like, people you don't like, you know, people that are, you know, are friendly and not, and you know, it's literally, it's such a diverse range of people, uh, particularly in London. I mean, I can't talk to anywhere else in the country. Um, And so I don't know, I guess. I have always had, the reason I started it is because I basically wanted to start a night that I wanted to perform at myself. Yeah. Um, firstly, I wanted to try MCing, but I couldn't get any spots. Like no one's given you, it's really hard to find experience and, and spots where people are going to give you to MC because it's hard. You know, not everyone can do it, but I just wanted to try it. Um, And I ju- yeah, I wanted to practice MCing, couldn't get no spots. I also started to developing this idea of actually what the open mic circuit in London is and what bringers are and the utility of them and what I think is quite necessary. And actually, you can put together a night that is a bringer night and it be relatively successful for what it's intended to be. Um, And that's kind of why I started it. Yeah
0: uh yeah the the bringers is always a i guess it's always an interesting topic for uh anybody (laughs) it's like it's like like being a
1: it's like being a tory voter you can't say that you like it (laughs) you know people people some people do like it but they just don't say it out loud do you mean if you say it out loud you have to agree and say oh yeah bringers are crap these these promoters should make it bigger than what it is and 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 get an audience but for me i i was bred off of bringers you know i i I live and die by it. if I ever do anything with this stand up comedy, it will always come down to the grassroots, which is uh, the open mic comedy circuit
0: yeah so 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 with the bringers then how how do you how do you square that circle with comedians Do you, do you have certain comedians that just won 't perform with you because of the um, bringer situation <laughs> well this is you 't have to name thing. any names, but no yeah. no look
1: well look, this is the interesting thing about it, Mark, and this is why I think that people need to be a bit more open about what bringer um what bringer nights are for because there are people that say that they won't do bringers but those same people i mean the last set of applicants i had for was all these people that do really really good and and shit on uh on bringers and because people are hearing that the om is doing relatively well people are applying for it, even if it is a bringer night yeah. across the board so you know, people say that they're not good nights, but then try and go to a night that isn't a bring a night, but is an yep. open mic and see where you fare there. Because, you know, there may not be a lot of feedback, but there is certainly feedback that you can get. And I don't know. I, I People see me out there all the time and they're still laughing at what I'm saying. So I'm not sure what the problem is.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I agree with you. I've, been to, I've done some, I've done probably some, most of the more common nights that are out there. And you do some of them that are, they may say that they're, they're non-bringers, but you get there and it is literally just the comedians there. And I, I don't know, I, I find sometimes you may get 50% of the comedians there aren't interested in anybody else that's on the stage. They just want to do their five, 10 minutes, or whatever, and then go home and then that, that'd be it. Whereas I guess for people more like myself that are into the newer side of things, I want that feedback. I want somebody to come up and say, do you want some advice? Yes. Give me some advice. Tell tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I'm where I'm standing, what I'm doing wrong. You know, how I can make something better or change change a joke or whatever. Or what you liked and what you didn't like. Just just tell me something because the way I see it is I'm just never gonna improve unless you get feedback. Yeah. Well well this is one of the things about it is I think
1: that people can because of the level of familiarity within the community. People get quite self-conscious about themselves and say, well, you hear it all the time. comedians and say, oh, you've heard these jokes. You've heard these jokes before. But that's actually OK, because then because people are self-conscious, they don't openly speak with uh, a lot of comedians. I don't find, mm. you know, it's really hard to find uh, comics or people that are trying to do stand up to actually talk about it. And converse about it really in an open manner because, you know, it's 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 hard, you know, you're kinda of going out there and really revealing yourself. Yeah. But there's a utility in talking to other comedians and that's one thing that I try and do with with when I'm out. You know, because I like it. I think because I've, you know, I've, I've been doing it for a year and nine months. But in the open mic circuit, you're like a granddad. Do you know what I mean? You've, yeah. You feel like you've been doing it forever. I should, what am I still doing here? um You know, <laughs> bringing out my friends and bringers and still going on the, you know, the Facebook group with a plus one saying, "Yeah, I'll pop on." Like, but I love it. And um you know, I, I certainly, if people want to hear my thoughts or I see something that I might. You know, you, you try and be kind about it, but I'm yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. It it really should be about how we get better together.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I once had somebody come up to me at the end of a, a gig and said, I've, I've met him a few times before. and He's a really nice guy, and he just said, your last punchline isn't your best punchline. He said you get your biggest laugh from the joke beforehand. Mm. So you, I I think you should either ditch it or change it in some way because that that last that bit that gets the biggest laugh should be the bit that you finish on. It's like oh, yeah. then you kind of know it subconsciously i think but you don't want to do something about it i think as i hasten to say I, we as comedians because i still don't class myself as a comedian <laughs> i get very precious about the jokes that they've created or and stuff like that and how they've how they've how they've nurtured them and then sometimes they just don't want to let it go And that's really, I find that really, really hard to do. So like, have you ever, can you think of any kind of joke that you've created that has either evolved over time to be something better or completely different from, from the original idea? Its concept kind of remained the same, but at the end of it, it was just, it kicked a lot better and it still kicks today.
1: Yeah, um, it's essentially what is my best five at the moment, um, which starts around this joke around the, uh, the Premier League made this list called The Blacklist.
0: I love that. Um, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, and, you know, I used to mess up, for the first year, I was just messing around a lot. Like, I was not consistent in terms of the material I was doing, changing material all the time. When I first started doing that, that was what, I just loved saying it. You know, yep. when, I, when I saw it it was the first thing that came to my mind. I go, I went on Google, I went on Twitter and I was like, has anyone else, has anyone else seen this yet? And no one, no one had made the joke. like uh, not even on Twitter and they're quick. So I was like, all right, let me say it. And, um, you know, as soon as it came out of my mouth, it was just, I loved it. Um, And how it kind of developed has been what is essentially like a lot of material around the concept of the person, the color, um, you know, the dynamics of, 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 race I guess and black and white and I'll be honest I mean I've even started doing this bit about people coming up to me and saying my comedy's too black because I, <laughs> I never intended that to be the case you know what I mean like it yeah. just and and if you speak to anyone that knows me they'd be like they wouldn't have expected that either because I don't really sort of use that as a main identifier in my um in in respects to kind of like you know what I don't know you know whatever people talk about these days but the fact that it's kind of now at the forefront of my material that blacklist joke has now developed into basically you know it's close to seven eight ten minutes of really really good stuff it's basically what what's built me my material up to this point and hopefully the stuff that you like too
0: oh yeah I, I the line that gets me every time and it's the um it's where you go uh and the other guy <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, the don't other want one that it, missed. Yeah, the other one that missed—that's the line. I don't want to ruin it too much for people because if they haven't heard it, but it's just—and the other one that missed—and it—it <laughs> it just plays into that stereotype of, I guess, the racism that can be about things like this, and yeah. you know, you know where I'm going with that. But I think it—it it enforces the point of the old man syndrome kind of thing. Because it well, was you know San- it was Sancho, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it was Sancho. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, but that's the thing, though.
1: That's the thing as well. Like one of the things about that joke and why I've really enjoyed it is because there's a lot of different takeaways. The reason I said it was because it was true. There was someone else that had missed, yeah, you know. But that's the funny line in it, and it yes. could be, you know, for some people, it's oh. The old football adage of you know just footballers and whatever else don't even think about it like race. Some yeah. people see the racial tones to it. Some people see you know it just it seems to have a balance that really really works well with what I'm trying to say with it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's great. I think that that, <laughs> that joke is is one of my uh, favorites. I, I have a little like a uh, set of jokes I hear from certain people along the way, and there's certain jokes from certain people because you see so many people. So many different people. And I guess it's part of the thing is that we as comedians are hold on to those jokes. And then we get, I don't know, about self conscious about saying the same joke over and over again because you're in front of a lot of the same people if you're doing on the open mic circuit. But you then have to f- remember that people don't remember all your jokes. <laughs> so, so somebody, somebody's heard it, but they don't realise they've seen you until they've heard that joke. So they they see this fresh faced person on the stage, and that's it. And then they hear the joke and they go, "I've heard you before." Yeah, and and you get that little bit of a kick, and it's like, ah, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, I've, I've I am genuinely a subscriber on your YouTube channel. I find it thank you. I really enjoyed watching the the whole path that people have been on because kind of when i started this i started my instagram pages it was me and my tutor and that was all that was on it and it was just like me built showing what i was doing but for my own records and pictures and then was never sure if it'd ever make it into any kind of domain for somebody to actually look at and consume Mm. so it's nice to see this whole vlog in effect i guess come out and show the real world and what's going on around and how your thinking is and and what you do yeah i mean well thank you first
1: and foremost for being a subscriber anyone else that listens (laughs) my comedy journey like and subscribe which i don't say enough i tend not to be an over promoter um but to be honest the reason i started doing it is because when i when i when i started doing the stand-up i was going to record everything i wanted to record it and i i wanted to to have a record you know yeah like I'm a bit of a dreamer growing up and you know you know I'd watch like um I'd watch like award shows and and tv stuff and there'd be montages isn't it of people's the highlights of their lives and, and I yeah, always yeah. loved that sort of stuff like you'd always imagine yourself just in slow motion just like cheering or like whatever yeah and um so I had to I had to record everything and then I was thinking well the only really place that i could save it on was youtube because yeah. uh you know I just i don't you know use their use their servers you know I don't, i'm <laughs> exactly. not really technical but why well, <laughs> am i going to use mine um and also because um I, i've i've a, a good amount of friends that live abroad so you know i was just going to post it on there but actually um i literally watched his last one just before i got on here but um i kind of stole the idea from um from poker there's um uh, a community now of people that do poker vlogs and the biggest mm-hmm. one probably going is uh one guy called brad owen i know the um, one. Oh, do you oh well yeah because you, yeah. yeah. you know i kind of got the idea that oh people are gonna see it but then i was like i've just started who's gonna watch it like who's gonna yeah, yeah. who's gonna watch it and then come out to my gigs and then be like oh, i'm not gonna like you know oh my fan base and then also <laughs> someone's gonna steal those jokes like even i knew i was crap <laughs> you know take them take them please um, I've got no problem with that, and I, I I remember at the very beginning as well because when if you start doing it, I don't know if you found it, Mark. It's hard. It's hard yeah. doing like gigging. It's hard, and it's kind of aimless to a degree. So it also added as an extra motivation to just produce a little content for myself, just something else to just give me reason to be like, all right, let's get myself up for today. Let me yep. gig. Let me actually try and do something that slightly alters it because I'm putting the full sets out now. Um, i really challenged me to approach the stand up in a different way and i think actually maybe that's probably why i embrace it much more than others because yeah. i love it you know i've got i can literally watch my progression through to to development i've always enjoyed being out there so
0: yeah it's it's i think uh i, I pretty much recalled every single set that i can do whether it's audio or video most of the time it's video but sometimes it's you're in a room and you just feel like nah it doesn't feel like it's going to be a good one to want to watch back but i I want to record it just in in case i watch it back and i'm like oh man this is brutal (laughs) but i i take it have you heard of the um the the methodology that goes about with regards to what i I think sarah millican came up the idea is that you you stop thinking about your previous night gig by 11 o'clock the following morning. Whether it's good or bad, after 11 o'clock, don't think about it again. And I thought it was a quite an interesting little theory, but I can't do that. It takes me till 11 o'clock the next morning to want to watch it back because mm. I never know how it went. Mm. I come off stage and go, yeah, I think it went really well. And then you start thinking, did I, did I forget this? Did I miss this? Did I get this right? Did I make the most of the opportunity and then mm. there's always a little bit of fear of going i don't want to watch that back yet mm. and then let the dust settle and the brain kind of relax and then it's like yeah no time to watch it back
1: mm. and then
0: i can be ultra critical of it but the the whole recording of it i think is it's it's kind of it's yeah it's kind of vital i think for a comedian to actually be critical of themselves and want to learn yeah, I mean, I know, like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand how I sound. I know how I sound. Yeah. I sound like like yeah. we I just go back to that Sarah Millican point because I I think I don't necessarily agree with it in that sense, but I think my take from that is understanding that the capacity that you have to do what you're doing. You know, mm. it, the, the problem is is that we've got a lot of stuff other stuff going on, and I recognise quite early on that I have to start compartmentalising. I'm quite good at that doing that anyway. My job kind of allows me to i've got to be quite engaged in my job most days yeah um so you know i started to just think and structure in my days what i'm going to do in terms of all right this is the time that i'm going to allow myself to even think about the comedy and it doesn't need to be that much you know you go to work and just before a gig that's a good thing about having uh, recordings because i'll probably watch a recording back once if it's any good, I'll watch it back a number of times, but yeah. most of them, just once, because all I'm doing is building onto the gig before, so I'll watch it just before the gig, get an understanding of where I'm at with it, and yeah. then the next gig is just about improving it that little bit. Um, but, you know, it, it's really, really hard, I guess, for some, but just try to separate yourself from actually thinking about it all the time because I get it, you know. It's something that you, I guess, care about, and you know, it's, it's, it's something that you're connected to quite a lot, but I don't know, man. For me, I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life and I've got to be attentive to that too. Otherwise, I'm going to go crazy.
0: (laughs) It it can be hard to turn the brain off sometimes, though.
1: Uh, Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what weed's for. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm high right now. So, you know, that's what it is. I I think it suits me, though, in a lot of ways because I try to be balanced in a lot of stuff. Because the thing is, like, it can get on top of me, you know. one one month one week all of a sudden i've accidentally got a gig every day yeah oh oh my god i'm a, i'm I'm about to have a panic attack i don't know how some <laughs> of these people do it on a regular basis like i gig as much as i can gig while being attentive to everything and just just find ways to to separate yourself if you can i mean you know i, I seem to do an okay job with it because it can't be too burdensome not at this point not at this right. point it's just about growing and learning
0: yeah and just just having fun i think And enjoying it—that's absolutely vital. Yeah, I think I think one of the reasons I kind of went down the route of recording stuff was, and most of my stuff's on YouTube and stuff, and you know, it's barely ever gets to double figures in terms of people who've ever seen it. But there's a few friends that know it's there, and they'll go and watch it, and they'll they'll chuck some feedback. But it's—I sometimes want to, maybe even like in 15 years' time, not doing this anymore, but look back and go, I did that. I had the balls to stand up in front of anywhere between 10 and 100 people. And I made people laugh. I don't want to be remembered as the guy that was good at computers in his life. <laughs> I want to be the guy that, you know, as oh, Mark, he gave a comedy, he goes, it was a good laugh. Not, yeah, he could fill in an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> it's just, you know. I'm sure, I'll, some.
1: hopefully, your friends and family will think more than that. I mean, I hope so. You might be an absolute loser, I don't know, but you seem a, a nice guy so far i mean you've got dvds in the background so i'm not sure what the fuck's going on there
0: yeah um, i know it's uh, when we moved into this house this this that was specifically built for those that we we moved in like 11 years ago yeah you might be remembered for worse yeah <laughs> but no it's, i think it's uh i think it's vital to to get the recordings out there and and put yourself under the spotlight but not put yourself under too much pressure but well also understand that if your aim is to make people laugh if you're not making people laugh you need to change something you need to learn and if that means talking to other people damn well do it well i don't know boy you got you just got to face reality i guess to a degree
1: you know um i've had a few reality checks with myself about what i'm doing and 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 you know you compare yourself to others and you know, I've yep. got a twin brother who uh, uh, is compared to by others on a regular basis, and um, I understand. I understand it's difficult, but you just again, you just kind of got to understand what you're in it for. What I've said to people for me is, I've already lived my dream. You know, I've fucking murdered Mark. Yeah, I have murdered, and I'll <laughs> I'll happily say that. You know, not all the time, and it's yep. not like every gig. But I've had ones where I've been like, this is everything I've dreamed of and more, right? And the, the showcase was the first time that happened, and it's happened a few times after that. So then when you're on the open mic circuit, you just, I don't know, you like, if this was a hobby, it would be a fantastic hobby. If I did yeah. this once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, it'd be great. But I think there's something with this stand-up thing where it's like, the only reason you can get into it is to be a professional, and to be famous, there's no in betweens. It seems, you know, people people that go to art class don't be like, "I'm going to be the next Picasso." Yeah, you know, I go to some of these open mics where there's people that do music. Mm-hmm. You know, and these these people are there enjoying it and loving it, and they're terrible at playing the keyboard. They can't <laughs> sing a lick, you know, and they're yeah. just happy doing that, right? Yeah. Because they know that there's certain things. You go to five side football. There's forty, fifty year olds playing, and they're just playing for the fun of it because there's certain things that that you can't do when you get to a certain age but yeah. stand up because you can kind of do it whenever i don't know is it uh, or maybe it's just because there's no visibility of the in between between people that you see on tv and then everyone else yeah, yeah. i don't know people have just obsessed with the idea of i think becoming big stars and then you go into a pub where there's four people <laughs> and or you know less than and it's just terrible and you're not making people laugh because of your terrible jokes you know and then you ask them mark do you record it and you're like no never you know like, oh my goodness
0: yeah yeah I you're guess... not giving yourself a fighting chance no no you, you need you need to see where where you're what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and enjoy what you're doing right as well oh yeah yeah be proud of that boy i Cause... tell people i'll be mashing on a regular because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about you when i when i first started because i've only been doing this now nine months my first gig the showcase went amazingly well. Everyone's showcase appears to go amazingly well. You yeah. are in a room full of people that are being supportive and friendly. But then I do think there's a little bit of a myth when you talk about the showcases like a free pass in that you might um you might have a few friends and family in there, but the majority of that people in the room are not there for you. They're for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So if you can please Half of the rest of those people, then you're doing something right, I think. But trying to get because, that buzz again, I think, is so hard. Well, no, exactly that. No,
1: exactly that. And I think that's where some people get brought back to reality, unfortunately. But the thing is with that, you know, you're talking about the showcase being the friendliest crowd you're ever going to have. And even if you get half of them laughing. If you go to a room where there's one person or two people, and you get them laughing, yeah, that is what I'm talking about. <laughs> like yeah. I've murdered in a room of four. You no, know, I've gone into this. like, I'm, I'm. We're going into some of these rooms, and there's no one there. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm just trying to be undeniable. And yeah, part yeah. of it is, yeah, you want to put on a show, but you gotta be, you gotta be good at your craft. So at some point, you have gotta just really focus and hone in on on what you're doing. Yeah. Don't be trying to please people too much. At the start, because you're crap, (laughs) you know we're all terrible. And I mean that. I mean that, like realistically, compared to you know, because some people come out of the box, and you know, it's weird with this because sometimes you could be in the right groove, and you're like, oh, I'm starting to get this. I'm I'm doing all right here, and then all of a sudden you're like, I can't buy a laugh. Yeah, I cannot do it. I'm in a I'm in a dip right now. I don't know how to get out of it. Um, but you just kind of just got to be consistent with it. Be reflective, and try to make the two people laugh instead of worrying that there's only two people there
0: yeah no that's 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 a really good way of thinking about it actually i'd never thought of it in that way because the way i've always looked at it is that if you've got a the bigger the room i guess it's easier to play because if you get the way that laughter is infectious you get you get one or two people laughing it moves across the room and they others start to enjoy it as well and they feel like they can let their hair down whereas Sometimes if you're in that room of two, three, four people and you're struggling to get one of them to laugh, the real challenge is is get that one to laugh and the other two or three will be there and you've got the whole room. Well, I think it
1: kind of is more that when you're in this big audience, you've got the opportunity to hide the truth, which yeah. is not everyone likes you. <laughs> you know i think part of it is i don't know I, i've i had to talk talk to myself about it you know when you get into stuff like this or maybe not just maybe it's just me but you know you want every single person to like you yeah of course you do but it's just not the truth and it's really it is hard with two people or three people four people yeah because laughing is infectious but yeah again imagine if you can make three people laugh with a joke and the rippling effect of that and how that translates i mean yeah that That's kind of the way I think about it, you know, it, and it does get a bit weird sometimes because, um you know, you can't base everything on the response of a few people. But that's that's why you ha- have to gig regularly, like not loads. I mean, some people gig like monsters and some people barely gig. Yeah. You can't do a string of gigs and do like four or five, six gigs and then don't do it for a month. You know, yeah. be consistent with it. Week in, week out, you need to have gigs booked so you can build on what you did last time and start to get comfortable on stage and actually develop and build material. Um, and then you start to data chunk in it. You see, well, all right, this joke is starting to work more times than not. Because the thing is, not, jokes don't work all the time. No. I, I'd be surprised if anyone's got a joke that works 100% of the time in every single room they've ever been in, because um, it's hard, you know. And not everyone, not everyone sees things the same
0: way. Oh, no, definitely. So have you ever – this was actually a question I did have planned in my head for, to ask was that, have you ever had a joke that you thought, this is brilliant? until you performed it and you performed it how many times do you have do you give it a go so it doesn't work the first time yeah you go, i'll give it another go i'll give it another go and then how many times do you give it before you go that's it's, just it's, not good enough then but it's those jokes
1: you know they're only hitting threes twos and threes on a regular basis rather than yeah. the ones that hit in seven eights and nines and yeah, absolutely. I mean the the funny thing with the evolution of the blacklist joke is there was a joke in there that just wouldn't it just wouldn't work. It just would not work. It refused to work. No matter what I did to it, the way I shaped <laughs> it, it just wouldn't work. Um and it was when I started reading out um I'd read out the definition of a blacklist and then afterwards I would talk about um um uh, God, what was the joke actually? It was a really, really bad joke uh, about suicide on uh, Love, Act, uh, Love Island. Wow! By the, the three people it was—it was really bad. It was—it was horrible. But for some reason, obviously, you think it's funny. And and you know, to be honest, like whenever you think of something, we always think it's funny. I think some people just some comics can't get over the fact that other people don't find it funny. You know, yeah. I laugh at myself all the time. I'm more than happy with people not laughing at my jokes. Sometimes I'm just trying to put out jokes that they like too. Yeah, but, um, that's a that's a bit of a digress, but. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. I can't even remember what I was talking about now.
0: <laughs> no, it's how many times, roughly, would you give a joke before you know that's it? Time, time, it's never going to work. I just, well, probably, gotta...
1: Yeah, the, the short answer is too long. <laughs> Always the case. But you have to. and Unless you've got a reasonable replacement, you have to. You know, you've got to find, and, and that's what you talk about, people that stick to the same material because they're scared to change it because they're more than happy to accept the twos and threes. Yeah. You know, and and and... I've all that stuff that I've said on all the vlogs is, will never ever be used again, most likely. Do you know that? Like what I'm currently, what I'm doing with it is this is all like one big bit so far. Yeah, you know, and I've kind of reached this point. And the way I see it is that I'm just the the, the, the ten minutes I think I have now, um, which is after a year and nine months, which most people would scoff at because of how how minimal it is. So, you know, I know people that do comedy for four weeks and they're doing an hour in fringe and they're wondering <laughs> why no one's turning up. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and I'm out here bloody. I'm I'm like the, the the tortoise out here, just just go plodding along. Um, but you know, you just have to be able to abandon material at some point, but only if there's a good replacement because that's when you're thinking about structuring material mm. a five and a ten. Because actually, the coherence from start to finish really matters. Um, and actually, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm more than happy to hold in one that hopefully some way down the point if i'm conscious enough and i work at it there will be a good replacement but i'm more than happy to keep it in there because of the integrity of the entire bit of the entire five seven or ten minutes that i'm going to do
0: so how how long did it take you to go from a five to a seven to a a ten um
1: it took me forever to get from a five to a seven forever it seemed like forever Forever. And then from seven to ten, uh, some matter of months, once you've got a solid five, yep. it all it all goes from there. Like you, my progression and the way that I think I would recommend to people and it's, you know, it's, it's it's different strokes for different folks and it's for the way that you want to do it. But, you know, the first year you do, it, I think just be super playful and mess around and, and try, although it's highly stressful, mm-hmm. like you know, you know the, the emotions that I kind of have to manage with that, it can be quite stressful. Um, but then it gives you that ability to just be creative on there. And then basically you want to get to the point where you've got a solid five, yeah, an actual coherent solid five. And that's why gong shows are quite good, even though not everyone likes it, because it really puts you to the test of having a strong five. And even if you don't do gong shows regularly to win it, it just it just allows you to understand you need a good five. Once you have a good five, people should hopefully give you sevens. Sevens is where you start making material, and you yeah. have a good five where then you can use two minutes to mess around. And then when you do a 10, one thing I see that when people get offered 10s, they're not ready for it because the the practice we need to do with 10s on open mic circuit is actually just structure. That yeah. should probably be the point where you repeat yourself the most when you do 10s because it's few and far between. And I really had to grind that to get more and more 10s because whenever I got a 10, it was like, I can't even think about new jokes. I'm just sticking with what I've got and just thinking about structure and order. Yeah. And yeah. that's probably why you hold on to jokes a bit too long because it's hard to feel a good 10 minutes. But if I've got, you know, a five, a joke that's a five, a joke that's a four, a joke that's an eight, an eight, a three, you know, it's like I've got enough in there for people to give me spots and people to respect the game. And then hopefully I can just build from there
0: yeah no cool so you, you touched on gongs yeah so you've, you've done the frog you beat the frog yeah you survived ding dong yeah have you were the both of those first time successes um the
1: frog and bucket absolutely yeah uh the um yeah what was it the black i've done the blackout as well Greenwich, yeah. which i didn't pass uh the Ding Dong Gong Show passed my first time when I was pretty weak, actually, but um, I had a heckler that helped me out because I had, I had a decent response and that kind of won me over. Yeah. Passed that by the skin of my teeth. Um, but then with my strong stuff for the Blacklist, at one of the worst bombings of my life, doing it a second time. Unbelie- I don't bomb that often. Like, you know, it doesn't go well and it's hard to gauge on it. I don't really bomb. That was a bomb. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And then, uh, yeah, I've done a couple of others, so... Uh, but they weren't. They the frog and bucket was first time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember seeing that on one of your uh on your videos. Because yeah. I, I remember I specifically remember. I don't know what the joke was, but there was a joke you'd done, um, and the host was Brennan Reese, and you could see him in the bottom corner of the screen, and he was chuckling away to himself at a couple of your jokes. I'm like, if somebody of that kind of caliber's laughing at this, there's this, 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 this something in this. This is good. Well, the the thing I love about that.
1: Um, because it's, yeah, it's one of the vlogs uh, that I've got back um, a couple of months ago. The thing I love about it is that on the night, up to that point, I was the last person on the second section, it's mm. three sections. And up to that point, it was absolute dross. It was <laughs> not good. You know, there was two, 300 people in this venue, and it was just rancid. You know, a lot of people that weren't really doing stuff. Out, you know, uh, it was just wasn't great. Man, they were really bad words for using to comedians. I do love it, you know, but it it just wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, so then when it comes up to me, you know, it was weird because you see on the vlog, like, um, I actually remember thinking on the day I'd booked it a, a, a couple, like a, a, a couple months before then. Yeah. And so I just, and then all of a sudden I'm on a train to Manchester being like, imagine I go up there, I've booked a hotel and I get gunged off in one minute. Yeah. Um, so. Imagine how that happens, or even less you know, and then people will be describing my material, like I just did the, those people that were before me. But then obviously, it was a great gig. And then afterwards, um, you'll see on the clip, he goes, thank God for that. you Because know, <laughs> he was like, someone's finally funny. And I, yeah. honestly, it was just a gig of my lifetime. I just so that's one I watched back and back and back. It was, you know, I was on the hunt for a good clip. Because one of the things about trying to progress you know one of the currencies is having your hands on a good clip yep. and i would basically been changed chasing a good clip for months um and it kind of all came together in that one moment at the frog and bucket best gig i've had since i've started um i had a fantastic clip that i watched back again and again and again and uh yeah managed to get the respect of of um that comedian you just mentioned who i don't even know
0: <laughs> <laughs> brandon race is he is he any good yeah he's very good he's very good, oh, good. um He's uh he's actually just released this Christmas uh, special over on YouTube. He released oh, it wow. Boxing Day. I haven't got around to watching it yet, but um, from what I understand, it's very, 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 very good. But
1: he was a great MC on the night, like, and a really great guy. He was. We were just chatting afterwards, and he was couldn't have been, You know, you talk about like I don't know, comedians, and sometimes they can be a bit standoffish, but he was, you know, he was given all the praise and respect, and you know, yeah, was gave me the time to chat. So and he was yeah. a great MC
0: yeah i think when you i think as a certainly as a beginner when you get that that little bit of somebody else's time i think that that makes makes the world of difference even i mean i i did beat the blackout um as my seventh ever gig and yeah no Uh, ironically this was this i i don't know what uh when you saw me what set i was doing but if it had toy story in it um, I don't know if you would remember, but there was a there's a certain joke where it leads, everything leads up to the end, which is a, a joke about Toy Story and about uh, I won't ruin it, but yeah. And <laughs> I got I got to that point where the whole punchline. So I got to four and a half minutes in, and the love final card went up, and I'm thinking to myself, you've sat there and you've listened to four and a half minutes of build up, and the next two words were the beginning of the punchline. Mm. and i didn't get to them and the people that were there with me uh i only really did it because a few of them that did the comedy course with me had signed up for it so i'll oh, be a laugh go for it and as i walked off two of them had their head in their hands and went i can't believe they got rid of you at that point so because if you'd got those two words out that would have been it you you'd you'd flown for it
1: yeah and i was just like yeah bah. it's weird with them because that the, the gong shows is really what forced me to change the blacklist bit and actually work on it even more. Because at that point, it was a really good five minutes, and it was working really, really well. But I did three gong shows, and every time I'd got to that specific bit when I when it was the Love Island joke, it just gong, gong, gong. Yeah. And I'd come off stage, and comics would always say, oh, I think you, you really got hard done by there. Because I know at that point, it was always going really, really well. And I always thought, if you just let me get to the next joke we'll be plain sailing we'll be home yeah but they just just refused to 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 kind of let me get past that point and although on the open mic circuit and and when I was performing regularly it was kind of working out okay it just it, it just kind of reinforced this idea that you I'm trying to put myself in the best position for as many people to like me as possible so yeah. if I'm getting if it's constant it was like it was without a doubt. This is where I'm getting gonged off, and I'd tell people about it. I'm about to get gonged off here. Like, remember this joke? And then I, boom, 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 off. And um, that's why the Frog and bucket one's so great because once I changed it, and then for that to be the kind of like, all right, boom, finally completed. Do you know what I mean? It, the yeah. set was rounded off to a T once I'd kind of changed that one bit.
0: Yeah, I think I think the one thing I learned from the blackout is the only gong show I've done, other than. Um... Big nose comedy's Gong Show, but that doesn't really yeah, count. That that's, count. That's, love that. Love David that's, Lewis. That don't count. Yeah, but it's far. It's too far. Too too friendly. Yeah. Um, but the thing I learned about I got blackout, off at that. Can you believe that? <laughs> he must be a first. <laughs> Honestly, I've
1: never seen anyone else except me, and I do it a lot. <laughs>
0: but no, I, with with the the blackout, I kind of learnt that you can't do you know, for me as a storyteller and it's a story that encapsulates everything you can't do your normal five and it was a case of you can't start with your second best and end with your best your your are almost your 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 best bit almost has to be at 1 minute 55 just before those lights go because then you've then captured their interest again and there's that chance where they will then keep you for a little bit longer and a little bit longer and you keep teasing and pushing and pushing so I'm actually going back to do that again in um, about two weeks time so i don't know it's <laughs> yes. a really interesting one <laughs> it's, it's it's again it's like for me it's about what the utility
1: of the gigs you know i've seen people that dive too much into gong shows and all their their stuff's catered for it and yeah. then it gets a bit weird you know in general like comedy audiences are different and i think they look for different things so if you become like a people go specifically to gong shows just for that and i yeah. think some people go there waiting to just get you just before five minutes. I've seen it happen so often. It's like, hmm. this must be on purpose. You know,
0: this is real conniving stuff out here. <laughs> but, yeah, um... there was a guy last last week, or the last, the last Beat the Blackout before Christmas, I think it was. Um, there was a guy I know that was doing it. Um, he, somebody put their card up before he'd finished his first joke. It's like, you get two minute grace period. And they were waving their card for the whole of his set and then somebody else uh and i saw again on an instagram post who was performing i can't remember what his name is but he got gonged off on 4 minutes 55 uh, four, yeah 4 minutes and you're like 5 5 seconds yeah 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 why it it, it feels but, so but,
1: cruel but do you know what like that's that's what it is that's what it is i mean again you know for me i just see it as a challenge that i had to try and overcome because the thing about it is, is that you know, even with even being a storyteller, the, the thing I want to be in terms of a comedian, if I can call myself that, and I'll probably, I would call myself someone that does stand up. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a stand up comic necessarily, because, I mean, I don't know. You're getting a bit existential there, uh, but uh, I smoked too much weed. I was about to get real expansive, and I thought, <laughs> no, that's going to get boring as fuck. <laughs> but <laughs> but the thing about it is, like, the reason why people don't like uh, gong shows is because they, they are. They're fucking brutal. They're hmm. brutal. You know, you, but you've, do you know how good your jokes can get from, from pleasing them? Like super tight. And yeah. also it gives you the bravery to, I just come up with this new joke, which I'm not going to say, um, but I'm going to start doing it. And um, like, I love it because it is just so like, I would not have said that a year ago. No yeah. way. I've tried stuff like, but even though I wasn't doing a lot of racial stuff, I would try a bits and bobs and I did try to play to the edge. I've always tried to do that, but mm-hmm. it's understanding the balance and the way to deliver. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not the type of person that thinks, oh, you can't joke anymore. It's finding out ways to say it. That's all it is. You know, comedy is all about being choosy with your words yeah. and you have to be a bit more sophisticated in your approach these days. Cause you know, that's what puts you apart from one person for the other, I guess. Um, in terms of your approach, at least. And the thing, I, I just think that gong shows can serve a great utility, if not toughen you up, but really tighten up and teach you how to write good jokes. Because yeah. even if you're a storyteller, you have to tell jokes. Yes. People forget that it's jokes. They think, oh, this is a good idea. The idea means nothing if the jokes don't work. And also, yeah. if you don't make people laugh, you're just doing stand, um, stand-up stand poetry. Yes. you know, and, and poetry is horrible, so no one wants to hear that. But... <laughs> No, <laughs> but you know people want to go to laugh so don't forget yeah. the fact that you've actually got to make people laugh if you don't make people laugh you're the problem
0: yeah no, it's, it's a fair point it's 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 a good point i think i do think gongs have their place and i think they are fun uh i guess i i've never i have done i've always fancied doing king gong but i <laughs> did it once the thought of the thought of not having that little grace period i i think sometimes i i don't i it depends on the type of person you are but especially if you're quite early into it i think you could probably do more damage than good yeah well that's the thing about them.
1: i think some people get into them too early you know I, I did the first time i did a gong show was after a year um and that was that was uh yeah the ding dong gong show and then i did uh king gong um and boy, do not go King Gong if you ain't prepared. I mean, no. it's it's not, it's unlike not anything I've ever experienced. Um, the audience are crazy, but like, I'll book it again for sure. It's not a bad thing. I mean, I'm I'm I was there like being like I'm so annoyed I'm doing stand up right now. I'd be right <laughs> in there. Oh my god, get because there are people like get that cunt off, like, and I'll be like. You know, I was a great heckler before I became a stand-up boy. I'd be right in their face. No, I, I wasn't the worst. But, you know, I'd like to say some things. I wouldn't try and – I'd respect it. But, you know, I was vocal. And in that arena, I mean, if everyone else was doing it, I'd, I'd certainly be hurling some words sometimes, especially if they were bad. But obviously, being on the other side of it, it's, it's um, I can understand why people would get really, really scared by it because it's savage. It is savage. Yeah. I mean, it was so hard to stay chill on that day and i lasted a minute and 30 seconds and it was just i don't know i felt it was it was successful because i just got laughs because yeah. i got laughs up to that point and i probably got gonged off too early but i don't know it was uh yeah it
0: is it's is not don't do it too early people please mm. yeah i guess one of the other things is um clap off competitions I've yeah. seen I've seen you put in the in the vlogs about you don't you don't like to be too competitive, but the part of you that is, and I, I think we're cut from the same cloth in that sense. In that you do you do one of these mini competitions, and you kind of go, "Yeah, that went really well," and then you get nothing out of it. And I did one where there was a uh, uh, somebody that won it, basically read their whole routine from pieces of paper. <sighs> But the only reason they won it was because they had six drunk friends in the audience that were shouting loudest. And you just kind of like, from a, a technical point, you're just like, waste the time. But then you have to kind of sit back and go, well, actually, my routine was actually quite good. I've got a few laughs here. And then you take away what you can from it. But you always come away with that demoralized feeling of, I was better than that person.
1: Yeah, but then you
0: just kind of got to get over it again. You know, yeah. uh, uh,
1: the the a the, uh, big nose is a good example of that. You know, I, I go to Big Nose an awful lot um, and Zobrano's. And yeah, you know, the comp- when people add the competition element, it really does disrupt what I think is it's what really muddies the the kind of open mic circuit to a degree because it adds elements. I think people think, it, I, I, I guess maybe people do it because they think if you have some level of achievement, it's good for your comedy CV, mm. which comics really need to understand. That's what you need to develop to kind of, progress in comedy is to develop a good comedy cv because people don't really give you much unless you've got you can say you've done x y or z yeah but what it does do then it just doesn't it doesn't allow for what it should be just creativity and just enjoyment and having fun because yeah you know it's a different element the only the reason i do big nose is because it's seven till nine and uh you know you can get in and out in yeah. a quick time and David Lewis is an excellent MC and mm-hmm. big nose comedy, both at Zebranos and uh, Boogaloo for me is, and this is someone that's probably been, I, I mean, I, I've been to almost all of the open mic um, venues, probably at some point outside of a few different areas. It's the most consistent on the circuit hands down. Yeah. Like, you want to, you want to go somewhere where, a lot of what the OM is is bred off of uh, what David Lewis does with Big Nose Comedy um, in a lot of ways, because it really is just about com- comics coming together. The key is having a good MC. The problem is yeah. there's too many people putting on nights and, and maybe not necessarily have the the, the, <laughs> the, the practice or the ability to run a night because there's a whole different thing, man. You know, being an MC, even for me, like I thought I'd, I'd do an okay job of being an MC and fortunately it's kind of working out relatively well. And I'm, slowly getting conscious that i'm sounding really arrogant on this podcast oh no no no, um, no 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 sorry. This so, is... yeah i know i'm just i'm just trying to be as honest as possible with it at least on the open mic circuit you know i'm uh, i feel like i'm at the top end of it because i've been in it for almost two years which is a long time mm-hmm. and then you just talk about the rep counts but um yeah MCing is a really really difficult thing so when people put on nights they really need to be conscious that they understand what they're getting themselves into because yeah. people the really reason people come out, the only reason people come to your gigs again is because where else are you gonna apply your trade? So you might as well go to one that you enjoy, and I love going to Big Nose because I just enjoy being there. Simple as that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've I've done um the one at Bigal uh Boogaloo and one at um at zebranos, and yeah. Zebrano's is a weird venue though.
1: Have you done the top floor?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's odd. <laughs> It's yes. a lovely room, but I remember walking in there and you, you kind of got there earlier. It's like, okay, is this the right place? It used to be downstairs on the club floor. Do you know that? Yeah, no? it was on the club
1: floor, and then it went up one level to the other uh, to the middle one, which has turned out to be even worse, uh, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> but the top floor is great, and uh, it seems to be re- working out pretty well. But it's an odd venue. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what the arrangement is, but you know, the 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 key again, the key to that one seven till nine, he does david lewis does not do longer than two hours and and that is beautiful please don't do longer than two hours people
0: yeah some 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 nights can be uh tiring shall we call it yeah again it's practice it's like it's this idea
1: of of you know people put on nights for all their own reasons and i'm you know i don't want to shit on that like you know they don't know what they're doing because there's many that are pretty successful but it's not where you're going to become a star with some of this stuff and yeah it's practice, and it's really hard to sit through three hours of bad comedy or amateur <laughs> comedy, I should say, not bad amateur comedy because yeah, you know, especially if you want to get good at it, you have to gig i think a minimum three times a week to get good at it in a pretty good in a pretty good time frame, like you could do it for you could do it for six years if you did it consistently, you just mm-hmm. want't do it as quickly yeah. if you've got the capacity to do more, then maybe potentially do more. I don't think when you start out the first year or two doing more than three or four is good because I just don't like I I don't understand how you've got the mental capacity to make the 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 progressions in your head you know we're not very technical up here quite yet we're still <laughs> we're still quite slow you know yeah. and to be able to actually think about what you're doing in a conscious manner and to develop it that way I just don't understand how I I couldn't do two gigs in a day because I wouldn't even know what the fuck I was doing
0: yeah you know in terms of progression at least i'd just be saying the same stuff yeah yeah no i i guess uh, you also don't get that much time to um reflect on things if you're doing more than one in a day but i, I do agree that the consistency of two to three a week depending on the progression time you want is is kind of the key leaving big gaps i think is uh can be problematic mm. but sometimes you see somebody and i saw somebody um angel in november and she went on, and it was a seventh seventh time on stage. Mm. And she killed it. Mm. I was like, how long have you been doing this? Said, oh, on and off for about a year. It's like your seventh time on stage. Oh, you're, you're wasting. It kills me. You need to be doing lots more because you're that good. I know. I saw a guy two weeks ago, a week
1: and a half ago, or just before Christmas. I could, you could tell. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe if you got – I don't know if you can start telling now, Mark, but... I can tell when someone's new, even if they're good. You know, you can tell. You can just sometimes, tell. I could, yeah. I I can tell every, every time. Like there's a there's a, there's a whole element to the way in which they do simple stuff like holding the mic and the the control that they have. They, their jokes may not be as good, but some people, I think what what we're talking about is that some people just really know how to write jokes straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people would people would talk to me and they'd be like, ah, oh, you you would be a good comedian though no, cuz you're a funny guy i was terrible i was terrible <laughs> at first oh my god it was so brutal man i was just like oh why am i so bad at this like why i think this is gold what i'm saying right now yeah. and it just is not working the way that i want to and then you see these people and you're like i don't know if you had someone there was this guy on my course man omar oh wasted talent oh my days this guy i mean it was unreal mate honestly if if he came and stepped up to me right now, I probably wouldn't be able to tell if he was brand new or something because he was that good. Yeah, he was yeah. phenomenal. And it's like if he just gigged regularly or just had the I mean, it's hard because, again, it's time consuming in people's lives. It is what it is. But just in terms of what was like natural talent, I don't know, it was just unbelievable. And it's, you know, I, I got that's probably the last thing of being self-conscious I did. I got uh, stripped away in terms of other comics about the people that just turn up and are good, you know, yeah. because when you've been, when you've done a hundred gigs and you think you're the man and you see someone <laughs> that's like turns up and they've they done their fourth, fifth gig in there, they murder in, yeah. um, in, in Zebranos and, and get the clap off. And you're like, Oh man, this is brutal. Or, uh, or the, the, the one bomb I had at the ding dong gong show where, you know, I was the most senior person there hmm. uh, in terms of gig count. And, People are doing okay, and I'm chatting to this guy, and he's on his twentieth gig and he's yeah. saying, Oh yeah, it's going pretty good and that and I remember thinking at the time, I'm like, Wow, this guy, he thinks he's really good. You know, twenty gigs, like yeah. he's he he thinks he's a stud. He goes up and he murders. Yeah. And I'm like, Wow, if they like that, they're about to love this. You know, oh, I'm on gig a hundred and something. <laughs> And honestly, it's probably the biggest bomb I've ever had. And the funny thing about it is, David Lewis was there. He was MC and he was one of the judges. And he went, "I don't know what happened there, Chris. You're usually quite funny." <laughs> I was just like, I was just, I just put my hands up and like, I haven't got a clue. It's actually one of the vlogs. I should look it up again because it is just, it's, it was so humbling, and it just you know there's a there's a lot of moments you get humbled and you can kind of start thinking you're getting ahead of yourself and you you know the answers and then it just kind of hits you where you're like nah my shit is weak (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I've kind of got to work build yourself back up just from a kind of all right let's get back at it again but I don't know you end up sort of I don't know for me at least at this point I'm not too self-conscious about I'm going to name him because he's an excellent comedian, Louie McLean. But we was having this conversation uh, Mm -hmm. a few months back and uh, we was at a a gig. And he'd said that, you know, it was the best he'd ever seen me kind of thing. Um, Because that's happened a lot this year. A lot of comics that I've kind of grown up with in this class have sort of seen me be like, oh, Chris is really starting to get together, which has been really, really nice. But we, we kind of talked about it and we said, you know, it's weird then because when you start doing well enough, like certain gigs, when you turn up to ones and they don't really laugh, you kind of just put your hands up and be like, it's just one of those days. Yeah. And you need to get to the point where you've had enough successful days. It's a really hard balance because I, I can see some comics really battling with the idea of it because it's like you need enough successes to keep you going, but you need enough sort of humbling to kind of make you work at what you're doing yeah. and, and really try and get between that balance and then be conscious enough that you want to maybe be a good product and say some good jokes. But if it's an off day, um, and you know that because you've worked mm-hmm. at it and you've had enough successful days, you can just put your hands up. Um, when I have three, four gigs in a row that are bad, then I start questioning my whole existence. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, and I'm about to start doing some new material, which is really scary. I think yeah. you know it, it's hard because it's like, oh, I'm going to go out there and people are going to think I'm crap again. But you know, why else are we doing it for? You know, you kind of get bored of saying the same old crap sometimes.
0: Yeah. So so one of my standard questions is always going to be, so the, the recount one of the uh, the worst before, worst time you've had on stage. So I'm assuming that's the ding-dong-gong show yeah. that you just mentioned. Yeah, where it just hands didn't, down. Yeah, go to plan. Well, th- there was one I had in mind because you'd sent
1: those questions before. There was one I had in mind where the worst feeling I ever had, because even that was... It was. I was. I had done it enough to kind of just be like. And actually, having David there was a bit reassuring because although what he said was could be quite like weird, you know. It was. I was like, yeah. I, it was in a period where I was doing quite well, so that's why I had booked it and yeah. see. I used ding dongs as a, a gong shows as a kind of stress test for a bit. Um, but it was probably my seventeenth, eighteenth gig. Um, I did a gig where um, it was the first. Bit of material I had straight out of the the showcase, the comedy school. Yeah, it was real divisive. You know, people were <laughs> saying I was anti-feminist, and it would either absolutely hammer, yeah. right, or just it fall flat on its feet, and and people would say that I was anti-women and stuff like that. It was basically a joke about me being offered a blowjob by a crackhead with uh, four teeth in her mouth, and I think one looked like a Wrigley's extra, Um and. There was this one gig, and I think this guy was definitely not in the right frame of mind, but it was real empty. There wasn't many people, and the gig was a guy that I went to university a few years ago who actually started to stand up two years before I did. Mm -hmm. So um, he'd started a night, and so I was really already self-conscious about what I'm doing, and you know every gig back then was massive. And I'm doing the bit, and this guy stands up, and he starts yelling at me going, la, 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 you think rape's funny? And I was like, what? You know, and he just started yelling and screaming and his friend had to take him out. And, you know, he was just saying all this stuff. And it was like, I was like, I'm not, she offered me, I was going to pay her. That was the punchline, yeah. you know. Um, but the reason it was so brutal is because afterwards, everyone was just like trying to comfort me. Oh, you're all right. And it was just so
0: humiliating. It was so like, yeah, oh God, it was just oh brutal, brutal, brutal. No, uh, yeah, I I think we can all recount things where they didn't quite go to plan, but I, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes an audience interaction that goes awry slightly can derail things significantly. But I guess if you had so much of a kick of that, and just you just kind of don't want to do it anymore. I I, I had one where I I did a gig, and the, this is my second ever gig, and after that, I I honestly had serious doubts about going that's it <laughs> the showcase was great I'll, I'll take that and I'll pretend this other one never happened and I will never do it again but I kind of already had gigs booked in so I thought well, I'll stick to those commitments and see how it goes but then yeah I managed to stick at it but yeah if if that was my only uh, experience you just feel like I can't do this anymore it's it's just not worth it
1: yeah, yeah but,
0: I, I remember that and then the next day I had the gig
1: and it went pretty well and yeah it was it was it was it was a good it was a good it was something good at the really big at the start of it because it was like it it just allowed me to think all oh, right i need to just get past it yeah. real quick you know just that was abnormal anyway i mean that was just especially in the open mic circuit yeah you, know, you don't really get much of that uh what we're doing we 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 just don't get enough laughs whereas in you know, actual comedy gigs. I mean, I've been to a lot of comedy gigs where people are yelling out and stuff and it's gone a bit weird. Um, mm. And, you know, hope if I progress to those places, I'll probably end up getting much worse. But <laughs> yeah, I've got a good right hand.
0: So you ever had any uh, any dreams of fringes and things like that? Um,
1: yeah, fringes are a weird one, isn't it? You know, um, ever since I started, people like, oh, you're going to fringe, you're going to fringe. And, you know, they're doing their showcases. It's never really appealed to me. Um, but actually I'll correct you because I came third in the old new West end act of the year uh, um, competition. I came sec, uh, came uh, after my brother who was second. So thank you for that. <laughs> that um, confusing <laughs> us,
0: but no, I thought you both came joint. I thought you was both classed as joint runner up. Well, we were, and then they separated us at birth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look at that quick. Very
0: good. Very good. Very good. good.
1: <laughs> <I like it. laughs> um, but, uh, what was the question again? Do you I, know what?
0: I, I, I can't actually. Our
1: oh, fringes. Oh yeah, fringe. And so with that, I've got a spot at uh, Steve McLean's showcase at Edinburgh Fringe next year, I guess. Uh, so it's a reason to go up. Um, I don't know. I, I really. I mean, I'm, into, I'm. I'm. I guess because I haven't really experienced it, and I'm not even experienced enough to really judge whether it's useful or not. I, I, I I'm not too committal in terms of my ideas or what I think is right and wrong about it. I just don't understand how you can go up there and do a half an hour split bill after a year and be surprised why you are not selling out. Mm. And also, I don't really have the money or the annual leave for that, Mark. You know, know, if I'm going to spend two grand, I'm going to spend it on a cruise. I'm not going to spend it doing open mics in Edinburgh where no one's coming out to see you because I can pretty much do that here. That's the beautiful thing about living in London and doing it here. And what I think a lot of people miss is like, we can get all these experiences in such a small area. And yeah.
0: it's just, it's just a, it's why it should just be a breeding ground of comedy, really. So here's a question then. What about um, the current open mic circuit? What would you like to see if you could, if you could change one thing? What would it be?
1: I'd make some of them shorter, that's for sure. Don't be, <laughs> don't be longer than two hours. Um, I think, I think it's just people's approach to it. I think, you know, one of the things I always preach at the OM is that you're not going to be, become stars here, you know. And I think that because people are so self-conscious, it's still quite a really challenging community to navigate because there's too many things to consider in terms of your own personal feelings around it all because you're really yeah. revealing yourself, you know. There's a lot of people that, that come up to me or when I'm chatting and they say they really like it because they get to meet a lot of people. And I just I, it just took me ages to realize it because it's like, oh, I, I guess that's why people are quite self-conscious about it. You know, I've always been someone that's always done a lot of different things. And I have a large group of friends. I've been socializing for years, Mark, since I was a young man. <laughs> you know, so my, my my being self-conscious about standing up there to a degree isn't very, very high. Um, mm. So when I thought about that, when I first started, because I already had a level of comfort on stage, all I had to focus on was doing jokes and material. I didn't. I wasn't overly fussed with people liking me too much, yeah. you know, in terms of my stand-up comedy because I understood I wasn't very good. But yeah. people are still giving me spots. I get to meet new people who I've I've got a lot of great friends now. And when I go out and see them at gigs, it's like, oh, like if I come and see you now, Mark, I'm not. I'm going to be like, yes, there's a gig now with with a guy that I can actually talk to. Yes. and you know, we're going to go there and then we're going to do our bit, and he'd be like, oh, what do you reckon? You know, how do you reckon that went? Oh, I'm trying this bit. I'm doing that. You know, and then. Start to find the people that, that, that you can talk to and, and really enjoy spending these bloody precious hours that we've got because we could be doing something else. We're not getting yeah. paid for this. So yeah. you gotta understand that understand the utility of what the open mic circuit is for. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate that, yeah, bringers are tough because getting people to come out, but we have the great utility of that Facebook group. Um, you know, look, I've never had a I've never had too much trouble getting bringers because People like me um, and, and are more than happy to say. And people have said that to me because I was like, why? Why is it like I have no trouble getting bringers on the bringer group. And then someone goes to me, that's because people like you, Chris. Yeah. You know, if you put your name up, then people are like, oh, yeah, I'll be a bringer for him. And then he can come back and then we just have a laugh. Because when I go there, I laugh. Like, I don't know. You've heard me. Mark. I'm I'm there to have a good time. Yes. Because like, it goes back to what you said earlier. We have to enjoy it. But then separate ourselves when it's our period of doing our five minutes, make it be meaningful, yeah. you know, and it doesn't have to be just because you don't get lost. Doesn't mean it hasn't got to be meaningful because you can work on structure. You can yep. work on what order you said. That person came up to you after a gig and told you your jokes the wrong way round. Do you know how often I see that? Yeah. You know? And that's because people told me, yeah. you know, they, they came up to me and said, it's backwards and you get to see other comics. You get to see them regularly and see what they do and the changes that they make, and then you take tips off of that. I think it's a gift to be able to go into these nights and be surrounded by more creatives. You know, when I go to the open mics where it's just, I've got one round the corner from me, which is a um, North London open mic, where it's more for, um, you know, musicians, but hmm. you can do stand-up as well. I wouldn't recommend it, because you talk about an empty room, them bloody musicians don't laugh at anything. You know, <laughs> um, You know, you want to put yourself yeah. up to a challenge. But... It's there all about collective creativity, uh being around like-minded thinkers and actually how do we enjoy this and then, you know, potentially get better at it. it uh, I don't know why people get too self-conscious about it, why they use bringer gigs as an excuse as to why they're not it's not being as fruitful. I tell you what, I'd prefer to go there and and, and work 'em rather than empty rooms. Yes. I think maybe it boils down to actually, are you enjoying what you're doing? Because it's, again, you're just getting too much in your own head about trying to be successful. Um, and not successful in terms of being a superstar. I mean, successful in actually trying to get people to laugh. Because, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's easy and it's hard. Sometimes you yeah. say something and right off the box, it's like, that's gold. And then sometimes you say stuff, I'm like, I can't, why aren't people laughing at this? Why? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. ridiculous. But, you know, you, I would just say just people's approach needs to, to change slightly in, in terms of the utility and make sure that the time that they spend out there is meaningful and that bringer gigs are actually great because you're just around like-minded people. You know, you just got to figure out how to get people out, I guess. Yeah.
0: So here's a question I've always uh, got an intrigue with, um, I guess, promoters as such is how many applications you actually get for a night? Ooh. Well, it's uh, this is the third lot
1: of... Um, it's the third Google form I put out for the third lot of gigs. Um, and it's grown a lot. Well, the funny thing about this one was, you know, we're talking about people that shit on bringers and they want to get off it as soon as possible. You know, the conversation in, in these Facebook chats around bringers is like, I use them when I have to. And, you know, the word is getting out about the OM. And mm-hmm. now, like, you know, there was a lot of five-minute people applying for a couple sevens and, you know, a few tens because obviously they're the people that are probably the more experienced i've had an overwhelming amount of tens come in this one and um i don't know it's still building it's not been going on very long but i'm getting quite a lot uh i mean you know at least at least a few hundred every time it comes out for sure
0: yeah
1: yeah man the the last one was overwhelming i had to shut it down early i could only keep it open for about a week and a half (laughs) wow yeah yeah, it's, it's just too much and it's hard because I, I need to get you know i like a lot of people and i've got to have some turnover as well yeah. at the same time and it's like you know it was when i started it i was really conscious that i need to be careful about this because people are going to associate me with this with this thing and that because of people getting self-conscious if they don't get spots people have already come up to me and quite self-conscious about the fact that they're not getting spots because they've applied a couple of times yeah and it's just like you know i'm 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 definitely trying not to be uh a, a, a exclude anyone you know i don't ask for much i ask for your name your email address how many gigs you've done i don't even ask for a clip because I, sometimes i just pick people up at random yeah um but i think i just need to yeah now i've started to be a bit conscious of people that have a i've got a little spreadsheet where it counts how many people have applied and then if they haven't got on they'll be getting on so if you do apply just please apply again if you don't get a spot it will come round to you i
0: promise yeah yeah it's it's i think that's one of the hardest things i've I've learned is that there's certain nights that i have applied since april last year and i never had a reply and you you kind of get to the point where you're kind of thinking am i gonna bother and it's one of those really i I noticed you've done it um on your instagram page i think you're saying you sent out the emails for the next lot of um applications which i think is great it's when you get people that are promoting nights and they just leave everyone hanging they don't tell them yes you've got it no you haven't got it or even if you haven't heard by this date you you've not been successful yeah because i end up I've, I've ended up now with a, a a diary of everything i write down is i applied for this i applied for this i applied for this because then I, I like to keep a, a note of who's giving me spots where i haven't performed but also i never want to be in a situation where i apply for two spots on the same night and then all of a sudden i get off for both because i don't then want to turn down somebody to say no when i've never performed with them before because i think that feel that feels kind of very disrespectful and possibly a black mark against your name for wanting to perform again in the future because you've turned them down after applying but it's the whole thing with like, how long do you give some people but again that's that's
1: that's that's I've really adjusted my thinking since doing the OM about that, because I'm exactly the same as you. You know, when I mark down a, a date that I've applied for, I've marked that in my calendar as, as already booked in, but a certain color purple, yeah. because that means, right, don't book one that day. Yep. Um, and I'd keep track of the ones that I'm booking and the ones that I've, you know, I've got a whole spreadsheet for that as well. Yeah. I, I understand the challenge because not everyone's that, that way, Mark. You know, not everyone mm. is, is that way where they, they want to... They, they're pretty unconscious about the fact that they're just going to drop off a night. They don't really care. Um, but some of them are really good comics. And as a booker, I can't be like, well, if you're just going to drop out and use it, then I'm not going to have you back because it's useful to have people that are actually pretty good at your night come out because hopefully it brings out people from the local area to come out, but also for other comics to see mm. and to have something to strive for if they actually want to get better. Yeah, But... um. You know, it, it's quite difficult. I had this recent thought about it is that actually, to a certain degree, I would, if someone drops the night out for something that is perceived as better, that's the whole point. So, as long as you're going somewhere that is like an open spot at a club or yeah, yeah. you want to double up because you're headlining at another gig, you know, if you're just doing another seven spot at the, 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 you know, some, comedy night around the corner mm-hmm. that's a bit tough to take and i think yeah. that you need to be respectful of the night because also it's a mutual agreement you know you're going to come out and hopefully provide something because the thing is as well when they talk about bringers and how bookers need to make a night i'm putting you on you yeah, yeah. know you're the product yeah right i've, I've if, if i've got to sell something give me something to sell yes right if that if that's what it's going to be like if that's the attitude you want to take but you know the om isn't about that the om's grassroots it's mm. for people just to be creative and then they can move off. So, you know, and then I try and be conscious of that by the communication that I have. I yes. Put out a message saying that the email's gone out. If someone has to drop off a night, the first thing I say to them is, what date can you do next? Because I'll get you on. Because I don't want them to be too nervous about this idea that you're going to be blacklisted because you ain't applying. Because I yeah. get it. I applied for gigs for, for, for well over a year before I got given a spot. It's, it's hard. It's very demoralized. Yeah. It's like job hunting. It's so hard you know, because you're just putting it out and again and again and again. Why are they not doing it out? I've given them four different clips, you know, and and all these things that kind of make you self-conscious about trying to apply for spots, which is something you shouldn't have to worry about because at the end of the day, all you need to be going out there is trying to get your reps in. You know, I think about it in terms of like going to the gym. It's all about the rep count, meaningful reps as well, thinking about it and trying to work on your craft. All this other stuff is kind of ancillary to it but not really it, it's not conducive to actually good comedy because all this we put a lot of effort just stand up there for five minutes you know yeah. and so you need to strip away all that self-consciousness about what's going on with it and just be like look if someone gives me a spot then great and and don't be too worried about it because you're just gonna kill yourself and
0: look i've been for it i just got through it much quicker than others yeah yeah uh, it's, it's it's nice actually speaking to somebody that actually it's just letting letting the comic know that you've applied that that hey, it's not happened this time but it could happen soon but it's the ones that just don't let you know yeah and you sit there and going right how long do i give it before i then apply for somewhere else and then yeah you just get to point out stuff it i just i have i've got no option now and if they come back to me and say yeah okay yeah you've got a spot well i can't do it now i've committed somewhere else yeah,
1: but then you're just cutting yourself off, Mark, because, you know, I've got one gig in, in particular uh, that, God, I just kept applying, applying. It's a really good gig, you know, and I applied for ages. Yeah. And then I got given a spot, I got given another spot, and all of a sudden now, you know, it's 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 on a regular basis. And I'm glad I stuck with it because, mm. again, you know, I think all of that stuff is just being a, being a bit too self-conscious. Just if 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 you're good enough, then people will put you on. Yeah. yeah. it's hard to get to the point where you're good enough. You know, you're you asked me on this and it's so flattering because you would not have asked me to do this a year ago i promise you you know because you know and and it's a sense of achievement for me because i've only been doing this such a short time so you know the more the more you do this and the more you improve good things will come of this mm. I, it has to it has to yeah. I, you know even whether i'm a professional stand up or not something good from just actually building a skill set and developing a network of people and and chatting, and, and hope for, you know, if you want to be a good stand-up, then focus on that. All the other stuff about you know not getting spots, comics seeing you do the same stuff, not getting laughs. I mean, God, you're going to be worried about not getting laughs. Gosh, you're going to have a hard time out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Okay. Um, I I want to round off every um, every podcast needs its own little niche. So I've got a little bit of a challenge. I know most. Most comics like to have a bit of a challenge in the things that they do. <laughs> so I've got this little book The Little <laughs> Book of Shit Jokes by Sid Finch. Now, I want to challenge every single comic in here to tell a joke from this book in their set, record it, and then we'll put it out as a social clip to see if you actually do it. Oh, you fucking S- know that. So if you up for this, I'm joking. You- you can uh, the rules are you can either not say anything about this you can explain why you're doing it or you can just see how you can fit it in do whatever you see fit but you have to give me a number between one uh let's go between 5 and 95 and i'm not going to have any jokes repeated so whichever joke you pick here is your joke
1: uh, i'm going to go for 22 that's my my birthday 22.
0: okay remember the title of this book so the joke i want you to to tell live at any point in the near future and have recorded is i gave away my vacuum cleaner the other day it was only collecting dust huh. <laughs> yeah no absolutely
1: <laughs> uh, do you know what right because um, the thing is uh, i love it because you didn't tell you didn't tell me this before did you no. this was not an email And hopefully, I've not killed your spirits by embracing this because I think it's fantastic. And what it's a good example of is actually because you just said I can either tell the audience or say something beforehand. You know, no, I'm not going to say a word. (laughs) I'm not going to tell anyone about (laughs) anything, right? Because that's how, You know, you can't. Part of the practice is putting on a show. Yes. And being practiced at putting on a show. Yeah. And not revealing, you know, not you know, basically revealing the magician's trick. It's like magic what we're doing. You know, you can't really you've got to give this impression that, you know, you're, you're meant to say this and it's supposed to be funny. Yes. And so for me, it's I mean, I like it because it's funny. At some point, <laughs> I'd like to say, I mean, I don't know if I
0: can. Can I do it in the vlog? Would that be acceptable? You could. Yeah, you could do it however you want. If we can then take a clip out of it and we'll chuck it on some socials alongside. Um, yeah. The reveal yeah, of the yeah. joke. That I would won't be quite do it at a gong
1: show, but um, uh, no. I'll do it. No doubt. No doubt. I'll say anything, Mark. Pretty much, not not a reason. Do you know what I mean? But you know, <laughs> if it, if it's worth trying, you know, I, think I, I don't think this book's going to have anything particularly offensive in it. <laughs> uh, we... No, no, that is a terrible joke. But the thing about it is you haven't said that. I have to set it standalone. I can do what I want with it. Yeah, so, yeah. So you know, I've got to try and make that. I've, I've got to try and colour it up. That, I mean, I'm not. I'm, hopefully, I'm not revealing myself too much. But instantly, I'm thinking, well, I have to, I have to somehow make it funny. But without saying why I'm saying it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, That's great. <laughs> I wonder if anyone else. I wonder if anyone else will embrace it as much. That'd be great. It's in, it's interesting because I did. I um. I Tell them that you don't have to say it. That uh, I'd love. <laughs> no, I mean, give it to them. Maybe actually no. Let's see if they do. And if they don't, you say, "Well, Chris Alley said that he's not going to mention it." <laughs> just, just. I want to set the standard now.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I don't think many people are going to mention why they're doing it, but it'd be interesting to see. If anybody does, so well, yeah, what that's... you might
1: have because what some people do is, um, you know, because some I feel like I've seen variations of that, but they'll say to the audience, All right, I'm gonna say this and please cheer. Do you know how often that happens? The <laughs> clips that happens, <laughs> Mark, it happens, when you know, people's clips and stuff, and then they just chop up and it looks like they've gotten a big cheer and they've yeah. just asked the audience to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I won't no. do
1: that, it's uh, it, it's just gonna die on its feet.
0: Cool, but uh, no, that's um i think i think that's pretty much the end of episode one unless you want to share any other words of wisdom with us no no just thank you very much i mean um
1: hopefully people kind of take out some uh good nuggets and tidbits about what it's like to sort of grind out there on the open mic circuit because it is a challenge and i do appreciate that um there are a lot of things to contend with and the 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 thing I was most thoughtful about is I just need to make it sustainable for myself. You know, uh, I want it to be productive while sustainable, uh, balance it with the rest of my life, but also try to approach it where I'm being considered. Um, I'm progressing because if I'm not doing that, I, w- I wouldn't do this if I didn't feel like I was getting any better. Yeah. Um, I fucking enjoy it. Like it could be an absolute great time. And if you get to the point where you actually murder and cause it will happen. Like if you if you have a progressive approach to what you're doing and can sustain it by making it manageable with the amount of gigs that you do, um, not make it so emotionally driven because, you know, the first few gigs was just so, every day was such a big, you know, I was like, I've got to figure this out because this can't happen. Yeah. You know, where now it's just, it's something I do. It's like going to the gym and then I have enough gigs that I tried to book where, all right, that's why Gong shows are good because it's like, I've got a reason to, to to drive me towards that gig, yep. you know, uh, um, and just have reasons to progress. Um, but, yeah, make it sustainable
0: and enjoy it. Cool. And lastly, um, what's your socials? Um, and I'll also put those in the description uh, of the podcast so people can find you.
1: Yeah, so on Instagram,
0: I'm at Chris
1: underscore J underscore Ali. Um, if you also want to follow the OM Comedy Club, if you want a gig, uh come at at the omcc um i believe uh please do if you want a gig if you if you're applying for it already and you haven't got on you will get on eventually there 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 is a a turnover rate that i want to try to achieve so you'll get on it it's not personal i promise um (laughs) unless you're mark Uh, no and then i guess just on youtube just uh christopher Alley and my comedy journey as well um Look, I, I, I'm not much of a self-promoter, but I like to... I, the, the The one reason I like this, the idea of this podcast, Mark, is because I've really, really loved this community and I've really tr- enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I, if, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know, you know, if I'll be successful in some form of fashion or if I'll ever move on. But if it was something to do with stand-up, I'd always want to have a foothold within it because yeah. it's important for what we're doing you know i never i never understood what um i used to go to sunday stick when craig smalls uh would MC it, and he'd always say that's really important and actually now that i feel like i'm in the community it's the open mic community i'm not a stand-up comic but this community of open micers where we're looking for this collective progression i'm in it you know i've been in it for a bit now and i love the fact that we need to embrace it because it's important it's important to to, to go out to gig and gig and be there because it's it's what's going to make you a good comic if that's what you want to be
0: yeah definitely cool and on that note i think we'll call that a draw and uh (laughs) anybody that's listening to this please do the like follow subscribe whatever it is whichever platform this is on and uh, until next time have fun